Well, our scripture reading for the communion meditation today is out of Psalm 86. Psalm 86, verses 6 through 10. Psalm 86, starting in verse 6. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer, and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon you, for you will answer me. Among the gods there is none like you, O Lord, nor are there any works like your works. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Let us pray. Father God, you alone are God. You alone are great and do wondrous things. And it is to you alone we wish to humble ourselves, to come before you in prayer, opening our hearts and our minds to your word, especially now as we seek to approach you at your table. Father God, thank you for this example of prayer in your word. I pray that I would represent it faithfully to this, your congregation. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as we have just returned from approaching the throne room in our prayer supplication, and as we prepare to approach the table of he who sits on the throne, I thought it appropriate now to take a few moments to reflect upon approaching God, specifically approaching God in prayer, but also just as uh, in general, general principle. And we are doing so out of Psalm 86 a psalm which is titled, A Prayer of David. Now, there's a great deal we can learn from this entire psalm, but today we are only looking at verses 6 through 10. So, regarding approaching God, I would like us to notice two things out of verse 6. First, notice that David begins his supplication to the Lord by asking him to be attentive to him, to be attentive to his prayer. Now, we as God's children are afforded the wonderful and glorious opportunity to even approach him in the first place. Praise God. But it also behooves us as God's subjects to humble ourselves before him and ask him to listen to us, ask him to be attentive to us. If we look back at the first verse of the psalm, we see that David begins his prayer with this request, Bow down your ear, O Lord, to me. Hear me, for I am poor and needy. It is rightly said that when God hears our prayers, he bows down his ear towards us, we the poor and needy. Matthew Henry wrote that it is admirable condensation in God that he is pleased to take notice of such mean creatures as we are and such defective prayers as ours. I'm reminded of the psalmist when he says, What is man, O God, that you are mindful of him? But praise God, we do serve a king who is mindful of us, we the poor and needy, and we can, through Christ, approach his throne and ask him to listen to us. The second thing I'd like to notice out of verse 6 is the name that David here uses for God. In your Bibles, it is probably all uppercase Lord. That name is Yahweh, the covenant name of God, the personal name of God. 
the name through which he has covenanted with us. There's a great, great deal that could be said about the covenant name of God, and we do not have time here to explore it in any sort of detail. So, let me simply say this. This is the covenant that I am has made with us, that he will be our God and we will be his people. Praise God. And we are affirming this in faith when we approach God in prayer by his covenant name. Yahweh is the God who has promised to be our God. He has personally covenanted with us, and we have access to a prayer in prayer to the God who is, the God who acts, and the God who acts for us because of the covenant he has made for us. And David himself immediately affirms this in the next verse. Verse 7 says, In the day of my trouble I will call upon you, for you will answer me. David follows his request that Yahweh listen to him with an affirmation of faith that he not only listens, but acts. This is a pattern we see repeated over and over in the Psalms. The psalmist humbly asking God to listen to him, bringing his petitions and supplications before God, and then immediately offering to God affirmations of faith. This faith is a faith that is based not on our works, not on vain repetitions, but it is a faith that is based on the character of God, the character of a God who keeps his promises and the character of a God who acts on behalf of his people. David believed the Lord to be a living and potent God, to be God alone. And it was for that reason that he is here resolved to call upon him in the time of trouble. Let us therefore follow the psalmist's example, have the same expectation and have the same resolve. Now, we can rightly have this expectation. We can rightly have this resolve because, look at verse 8. Among the gods there is none like you, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. Now, the word for gods here that David uses is Elohim, which can also be translated as judges, rulers, mighty ones, lords, etc. And what I believe this is expressing here is that anything else we might be tempted to put our trust in, any other Lord, any other God, be it the state, the medical community, our jobs, anything, they are nothing when compared to Christ. And here again, I think it is worth noting the name that God uses, or excuse me, that David uses for God. Um, it is Adonai, which is simply translated Lord. And David is an in effect saying that among all the lords of the earth, there is none that compares to Adonai, the Lord. This serves to remind us that whatever claims or displays of power or authority or dominion that earthly lords may make, either legitimate or illegitimate, illegitimate they are nothing when compared, to, when compared to Christ. And it is my power, excuse me, my prayer, that according to Ephesians 1, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the workings of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, 
far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age, of, age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over the, all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. He is Lord. He is Adonai. And this is the God that we come to that we may approach in prayer. Spurgeon said this, There are gods by delegated office, such as kings and magistrates, but they are nothing in the presence of Jehovah. There are also gods by nomination of superstition, but these are vanity itself and cannot be compared to the living and true God. And I say, Amen. He is Adonai, he is the Lord, he holds the power, and it is to him we bring our supplications. So let us be reminded of this as we approach him in prayer, and as we approach him at the table. Further, as we come to God in prayer, as we approach him in general, let us be reminded that Yahweh not only holds all power, but he also uses it. For there are no works like God's works. He alone is great and does wondrous things. Yes, it may appear to some that the mighty ones of the earth wield power, but again, their power is nothing when compared to God, nothing when compared to Christ. And further, we have the promise in this psalm and many other places in Scripture that all the lords of this earth who are in rebellion to the Lord will be smashed by his iron rod, and all nations will come and, be glor- and glorify God and worship his name. Praise God. Finally, God the Lord is not only all-powerful and works all things according to his will, but we also have the promise contained in the psalm that he works all things for our good. He does wondrous things for us. When we approach Adonai in prayer, let us remember that he is both great and good. Again, quoting Spurgeon, he says this, To be great and not good might lead to tyranny in the king. And for him to be good and not great might involve countless calamities upon his subjects from foreign foes, so that either alternative would be terrible. Let the two be blended, and we have a monarch in whom the nation may rest and rejoice. Now someone will have to help me with my uh, C.S. Lewis quotes, but what is that in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Um, Safe. Of course he isn't safe. He's the king. But he is good. So I praise God that we serve a good king. So then, as we finish up here, here containing these five short verses are a few ways in which we can approach God in prayer. We can approach him as Adonai, the Lord in whom belongs all power and authority. You know, the, the first Uh, Three verses, or excuse me, three songs we opened worship today proclaimed Christ as king and hallelujah for he is king and we approach him as the Lord. To him belongs all power and authority and he always exercises that power and authority for our good. We have the assurance that this is true because we can also approach God as Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God who has made a personal relationship with us out of his mere good pleasure has made a personal relationship for, with me and with you. And he has given us into the hands of Christ, and he has promised that no one will snatch us from those hands. 
And now, as we approach the table, let us remember that God is Yahweh. And God is Adonai. Let us remember the covenant that Yahweh has made with us. That he will be our God and we will be his people. Let us also remember at what great a cost Yahweh kept his covenant with us. Christ, Adonai, the Lord, bought you with his own blood. The hands which God has promised will hold you forever, the hands which hold you now, are pierced. This is the body broken for you, the body of our king broken for you, and his blood of the new covenant shed for many. For Christ died once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. And it is through this work and his work alone that we're able to approach him at all, that we may approach the throne room boldly, and that we may approach this table in reverence, but also in joy. So let us do so now. Let us pray. Father God, Yahweh, I thank you and praise you that you are a covenant-keeping God. Thank you that it is not by our works, but purely by your good grace that you have made this covenant with us, that you have promised that you are a God and we are your people. We praise you for this thing. We praise you that you are the Lord, you are the King. We are your subjects and we humbly come before you now. Asking, us, asking you that you would bless us in our remembrance of you and your work and our fellowship with you and one another. We ask these things humbly in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.